Hi, everybody, and welcome to another exciting edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. I'm delighted to be talking on this episode with Paul Pope, comics creator, author, artist, and currently uh, sort of suspended in gravity, I think. Uh, your image is on the side and mine is uh oh am I, I'm, I'm on oh wait a second oh i, I was trying to okay wait but i love I it I'm not gonna... i love it i, <laughs> I, I guess was I'm, just gonna I'm not go gonna... with it <laughs> i guess i'm not able to go uh landscape as well but there we are How, how's the sound quality on these headphones they're, they're brand new they good it's great sounds great okay. and i i thought you were making a comment on top of the the shirt you're wearing stay surreal by oh, so, oh so yeah yeah <laughs> i thought you were doing a little uh salvador dali maybe mc escher commentary yeah. there with the video <laughs> which could be fun. i should have i should have i should have gone with that but yeah um i don't know i'm still i i really never did i guess nobody really did zoom calls that much before covid so i don't do them that often i, I do when i work in film more than anything really but um so i'm it's still kind of new to me so yeah yeah I, I totally get that we we got immersed in zoom uh for a while there and you know it seems to be a nice go-to for connecting this way but yeah. uh not the dominant dominant discourse certainly um, yeah. so so i appreciate you jumping in and talking with me and i always like to ask about sort of comics origins i think my official question for you that was on the list and by the way we could go anywhere uh, from the sure. official list that you'd like, it's not really mm -hmm. official at all. Um, it, something along the lines of what do comics allow you to do as a storyteller? I think it's a really great medium. It's very versatile. Uh, you can work alone. You can work in collaboration if you want. Um, really, the limitation is your imagination. And then from there, you know, like this, the skill set you bring and your intention with the art form or the storytelling form, however you want to look at it. And, you know, I, I uh, when I got into comics, I was coming out of like a gradual morphing of my studio arts, art history background. I went to Ohio State, transferred uh, to SUNY. I had good grades in school, so I got a scholarship to study painting and art history in London, nice. uh, England. So I, I lived there for a while. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad I had that background before I got into comics professionally because I came with a lot of like Western and Eastern art historical uh, like uh, understanding about like picture making and, and how the eye flows and composition and all the you know, color theory and all this stuff. And having worked in film, it's, um, it's just very different because you can work alone. Okay. Whereas, you know, when you work in film or uh, TV, it's lots of people. And there's a chain of command and there's all kinds of things. And so I've, I've really, I'm glad I, I got very interested in comics at a young age because, you know, now I've been doing it for 30 years almost. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, I've got ongoing projects. I have a number of books in print and, you know, I just love it. I, I mean, I do branch out. I also work in film and TV, as we said, and I, I do screen printing. I work in fashion. Uh, I work with um, record labels designing album art tour posters for bands and stuff so just whatever whatever is interesting yeah yeah i love that range love the range of what you do yeah. yeah well i mean also like having come from you know like i studied pop artists a lot when i was in school and it, it was just very interesting to me how like just take an obvious example like andy warhol like you know you could be a legitimate draftsman and then work in commercial art and then also work in events 
and then you know do all sorts of like collaborations with bands or uh, fashion labels or make film you know and I, I always I always thought that was a really appealing thing because you know when I broke into comics in the early 90s I felt like I mean this is all before the internet and everything you you were probably reading comics back then it felt mm -hmm. like the division was you either had to choose to go mainstream which means you draw for Marvel or DC mm -hmm. or you work for Hanna-Barbera if you work for Hanna-Barbera doing animation you're not even in comics Mm -hmm. Or you can be an indie indie guy at underground, and then you're going to get a you know book contract with um, Fantagraphics, or you're going to work with Last Gasp and do underground comics and sell through head shops. And I always felt like that was too um, uh, segmented for my vision of what you could do creatively with the medium. So I've always tried to find a way to like break through the uh, you know like the barriers that I, I sort of saw between like indie and mainstream and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that that leads into a question that I was going to ask, which is, um, you have these worlds that are independently created. They're um, part of your vision, part of your unique creation, like Battling Boy, like uh, Heavy Liquid, like mm -hmm. um, THB, and One Hundred Percent, and those. But you also have Batman Year One Hundred and. Mm -hmm. um, work on the Batman Chronicles and other pieces like that. So what's, mm -hmm. what's it like to kind of toggle back and forth or is it a back and forth for you? Uh, it's, I don't know if it's a back and forth so much as like, you know, when you, when you work on commercial projects, like if I work with Criterion or Sony records, or I do projects with Paramount pictures or Netflix or something, you always try to get a sense of what the client wants, what the client needs. Mm -hmm. And then make sure there's an understanding, like you know, this is uh, my this is my drawing style. It's not going to look like Norman Rockwell. It's going to or Dr. Seuss. It's going to look like this. And then really try to listen to what they want, and then try to just deliver excellence, like above and beyond what they're expecting. You know, in the case of Batman, I mean, I love the character. He's iconic. You know, and I th I thought I had a good idea for a, a graphic novel, which isn't easy for a character as big and ubiquitous as Batman because. Where, where can you possibly take this character after a zillion movies and cartoons and comic books and stuff? Mm -hmm. And then I just tried to make sure that the, the project had the integrity of the character and what the company wanted. And then with something like Battling Boy, it's more personal, obviously. It's, uh, you know, it's a book for young adults. It's fantasy, science fiction. Uh, you know, and, and in that case, there's more freedom because I'm creating the story from scratch. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, there's obviously references to like mythology and Silver Age comics and French comics and things. But uh, again, I tried to make sure that the um, the project fit within the parameters of what the, the publisher can do. And then just try to deliver the most excellent project I can uh, I you know, within, was, within uh, that. Oh, sorry. No, that's it. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I think Battling Boy <clears throat> was the first book of yours that I encountered. Actually. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that one that book did. Oh, great! Yeah, that that book did really well. I'm I I've been saying this for a long time about the second book. I'm um just working hard to wrap the second book. Hopefully by the end of this year, it's 2023, just in case this is archived. And um, mm -hmm. you know, we already have a, a publication schedule for it, um, which I'll let the publisher for a second announce when they're ready. But you know, it's an long-going process and i've also been working on film film uh, adaptation of battling boy now at two different studios and it, it takes me out of comics and that you know i work on different projects and so it's just i mean i had no idea it would take 10 years to finish this thing but 
when it's done, I have a 500 page graphic novel. So, you know, it's not, it's going to be a, you know, a phone book mm-hmm. by, the end, by the end of considerable. it. considerable. And it's a, it's a statement, you know, and, and like when I, I was working uh, in Japan in the nineties and um, until I actually went over to Tokyo and I was w- working over there with my editors and, you know, um, I didn't really grasp fully that a lot of manga, the popular manga we know of, even things like Akira or Astro Boy, they're made by a studio, uh-huh. and it's an, it's a, an apprenticeship, and so it's it's more similar to a, a film studio in that sense, where you have a multiple people working on projects uh, on the sorry on the same project. So it's not you know as opposed to like like in my case, I'm one guy, I write and draw, I edit my own stuff. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes color my own stuff, but that it's a whole other thing. So that I prefer to work with some of the, you know, I work with some of the best colors in the business and, um, it just takes a lot longer to when you're doing it all yourself, uh-huh. yeah. you know, so it's, it's not easy to make a 500 page graphic novel. It's, it's easy to do it badly, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy to do it well. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why the, the monthlies are sort of almost in the supply chain. Where you have mm-hmm. like there's one person that pencils, one person that inks, one person that colors, one person that letters, one yep. person that edits, and then it comes yeah. together in twenty uh, some days, hopefully, and it doesn't yeah. always come together. It's true, and I mean, I'm I'm in sort of a, a unusual position because since I started working on uh, Battling Boy, I've sort of become more of a a novelist or graphic novelist, where I'm delivering a book. And I'm not just, I'm not doing, I mean, I've done monthlies before, bi-monthlies before, like, you know, my earlier projects, whether it's Heavy Liquid, Batman, uh, even THB was on a, a fairly consistent schedule. Um, it's just a much more of a grind, uh-huh. you know, but I mean, when you're, when you're in your 20s and you're not married and you have low overhead, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to do that. I mean, lately I've been working 10 hour days again, uh, which feels great. It feels very natural. I don't mind not going out. You know, and it's just there's more distractions. You know, people are you know constantly expect you to be available by text or by social media and stuff. And then when you have multiple projects, that means you have multiple creative teams, multiple editors, multiple invoicing. You know, stuff. So it just it's a lot easier to get distracted in today's world than it used to be. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of screens, lots of screens, and streaming things, and all of those pieces. Yeah, it's funny too because um, I have a really large uh, library of books. I I would estimate probably in the tens of thousands. I don't know for sure. I've got one, two. I've got besides my my studio here in, in New York, which is just basically full of books. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two storage spaces with books, and I had those all basically for research and reference before. We had Google image search and things like that. Because if you, you know, I remember one time I worked on a project for Swamp Thing. There was an encyclopedia that Vertigo published, and they called me to draw a Daphne plant. And um, I didn't even know what a Daphne plant was, but uh, it's freelance. I needed the money. So I'm like, yeah, I can draw that, no problem. What did I do? I, I had to get up and go down to Barnes and Noble and buy an encyclopedia of plants. So I have a, an encyclopedia of plants that just because I needed a picture of a Daphne plant. It's just how we had to do it back then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no Googling and saying, what is this? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. What is this? A reverse image search, which is a really fun one, right? You can find some of the most obscure things that way. But <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, I mean, I, it's funny with my, I have to actually make a point to look at my book collection now mm -hmm. because it's so easy to look at, you know, do research online, whether like I'm doing some commissions at the moment. I, I just finished a Weapon X commission uh, based on Wolverine, right? Uh -huh. And it's just like, okay, I need an image of a samurai running in the snow. And there's hundreds and hundreds of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whereas in the old days, you had to like watch some Kurosawa movies and then, or imagine it or look at some pictures of the Arctic and, you know, piece it together. Like you still do that, but it's just, it's a lot easier to get specific reference than it used to be. Yeah. But yeah. again, it's screens. Yeah. Very true. Very true. As we are connecting across the screen here. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned editors and some of the process there. And I was going to mention, I think it was Bob Shrek that said, um, you're one of the few artists, maybe the only artists who you kind of look at the page and you can hear music as you're looking at what oh, you've wow. done on the page. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure that was Bob Shrek <clears throat> that I was talking with. So that leads me to uh, talk about your work with Bob Shrek, as well as what, the playlist that you have in mind or that you're jamming out to as you're creating. Yeah. Well, I think um, I have a pretty diverse, like an eclectic uh, musical taste. My Both my parents are musicians. And so I grew up with classical music and jazz and rock and roll and uh, I play guitar myself. I've recorded before. And um, <clears throat> a lot of my friends are musicians. So I, I, I think a lot about that aspect. And I'm very conscious of like rhythm and pattern. And, and um, of course, in our case, we're talking about static images on a page. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And so I do, I, you know, a lot of my favorite artists are abstract expressionists like Robert Motherwell or uh, William de Kooning, these sorts of artists. And so I'm, you know, I'm very conscious of the type of mark making I'm doing, uh, which is being utilized specifically to evoke a certain emotion mm -hmm. or enha enhance an emotion. So I, I do think a lot in maybe a music theory sense when it comes to page layouts. Um, but I mean, I think people might be surprised to realize I, I, I listen not, not to a lot of like rock and roll, even though I do listen to that stuff. Um, I, like when I'm working, I pretty much listen to like ambient music or classical, sometimes uh, 60s jazz. Nice. Um, anything without lyrics. Like when it comes to like rock music, um, I might listen like once a day for two minutes. I might listen to a track. Like right now, I just finished um, um, album art for uh, my good friend, uh, Jim Jones. Uh, he's from England. He's got a great band called The All Stars, and they have a record coming out in September this year. And it's phenomenal. And um, I went down to Memphis with him to record at a uh, Sun Studio and Memphis Mag Magnetic. You know, it's like real, like, you know, it's not too far from where you live, in fact, you know, like mm -hmm. the energy of like Howlin' Wolf and Elvis and Johnny Cash. And he really, even though the record's kind of like garage rock, psychedelic, you know, he's got a horn section and like piano player and stand up bass. And it's just a really good rock record. So because I just did the album art for that, I'm really proud of it. I just really like the album. So like if I'm going to go out or something, I, I might put on one of his tracks and like really listen to it. But when I'm working, I'll listen to like anything from, I don't know, Michael Stearns, Brian, you know, um, Chopin, 
Beethoven. I listen to a lot of um, like Tibetan gongs nice. and um, just, you know, like uh, uh, Russian liturgical music, like uh, just all kinds of stuff to kind yeah. of keep, keep you in that like flow. Chopin, you know, once uh... you... yeah. Oh, sorry. No, just once you're, I, I noticed for myself, because I feel like you have to actively fight against the intrusion of social media and the internet in general, Mm -hmm. To get into a, fo a focused state, it helps to be listening to something that's very modular and, uh, you know, continuous. So, you know, like we say, Chopin, like you might listen to his nocturnes or mm -hmm. some of his longer compositions, you know, like I, I prefer listening to that stuff because it, it's much more of a focused state of mind. Yeah, yeah. Chopin is a go-to for me. Uh, Tchaikovsky. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I've been into, um, there's an early 20th century French composer named Olivier Messiaen who worked on um, early electronic music. Oh, wow. And um, I can send you a link to some of his stuff. And I've, I've been getting into that. It's really interesting music, very quiet. Uh, there's also a really great um, Egyptian musician named Amon Ra who plays the theremin, believe it or not. He, he, he she is in... Um, uh, LA now, I believe, but it's just really beautiful, ethereal music. Mm. And if you like Chopin, you might like this. It has a real kind of a dreamlike quality and very uh, nocturnal sounding. Uh, really beautiful. Love so that's it. the stuff I gravitate to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so mentioning the the Bob Shrek connection, any shout outs to folks, collaborations that have been especially generative. Um, Sure. Sort of go-to interactions. I think, like I've I've been really fortunate to work with a lot of great editors in the field. You know, Karen Berger, Shelley Bond, uh, my current editor Mark Siegel at First Seconds, really great. Um, I, I also I have some editors in Europe. I work with uh, Eve Schlift is one with uh, Dargo. My other editor at Dargo, recently retired, is uh, Thomas Ragoon. Uh, they've been great. Um, and I'm sure I'm uh, Axel Alonso, uh, you know, trying to think of a few other people. Um, and um, Bob and I have a good rapport because we were we became friends years before I worked with him. I think he, he was the editor on one of my first graphic novels, The One Trick Ripoff, which mm -hmm. was for Dark Horse. And he was also working with Frank Miller at the time. So that was a nice connection because, you know, when Frank moved to New York and he was working on uh, his second Dark Knight book. Um, I was working on Batman Year 100 and the three of us would meet up and have lunches sometimes. And we'd look at our art together. And um, but, it, but Bob has this great quality that Nick Cave says he seeks in uh, music critics where they know how to encourage and flatter. Mm -hmm. And um, I've always thought Bob had that really down well because like he'll he'll listen to your ideas and if, if he doesn't agree with them or thinks they could be molded a little bit better, he'll um, just ask the the right rhetorical questions to get you to kind of come up to your own come up with your own conclusion that makes the story better. Mm -hmm. And I think he's he's particularly good at um, knowing how to push the artist's buttons to make sure that they deliver on time to stay on schedule. And of course when you know, DC Comics was still here in New York and not in Burbank. I'm in I'm in Manhattan. Uh, you know, whether it's Shelley Bond or Karen or when Bob Shrek was the Batman group editor, you know, it's it's a lot more warm to go up to the offices once a week, deliver pages, mm -hmm. and you know, look at them together and they go out for lunch or go out for dinner afterwards. 
And, you know, we did that for years and it was just a really nice way to do it. And I think it's been a little more um, self-starting now. You know, I, I scan my own art here. I don't drop it off with production anymore. And I, I might have a call with my editor on, uh, you know, Mark Siegel on Battling Boy or if I'm working on something smaller, maybe once a month, twice a month. And so there's, you know, even first second is in Wall Street, which is about 15 minutes from where I live uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, in Manhattan. And, um, you know, there's rarely anybody in the building now. So I'll go down and meet up with my art, my art director, um, Kirk Bischoff, who is in the office a few days a week. But that's like one of the only real face-to-face -face connections I have with um, editorial and production at the moment. Otherwise, it's all Zoom calls like this or emails. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a different world that we live in. Um, staying Definitely. Connected. Yeah. 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 When, when I talked with Bob Shrek, he was talking about um, that idea of being a fertile ground for creators and creating that space as an editor. And then he was also just talking about the human connections that were mm. such a part of his work and have been a part of his work. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was I went to his uh, his wedding reception and I was the witness at his marriage at the courthouse downtown. And we've traveled. We've been to Europe together. We countless different cities we've been to traveling together. And, you know, I've been to his house many times. And it's just like that's like it, it goes beyond the editor talent relationship. And mm -hmm. The same is true with with Mark Siegel. You know, I know I've met his family. And Mark and I have traveled a lot. When Battling Boy 1 came out, we had an extensive tour. And I'm not sure what we're going to do for PR for book two, but I'm sure we'll do something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I miss Mark. And, we, you know, when he was just in San Diego Comic-Con. And I, I saw on Instagram all the freelance people I know and editorial people I know from first second. And I'm here in New York. I chose not to go. I don't have anything to promote at the moment. So, you know, it's just like touching base with them. And like, oh, you know, next year, let's definitely like have some, you know, FaceTime, because I think the one thing that, you know, even though cartoonists oftentimes are naturally isolated, like I don't, I have a good social life, not a lot of cartoonists in my social life. Uh -huh. You know, it's a, a good time to sit down with, uh, you know, the people who work in your field, not just people who might know you're an artist or something, or think it's cool you draw comic books. It's like actually people who do it too, and you, you've read their work, and you want to talk to them about some, you know, details about how they did what they did. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, um so as far as the work that that you do any particular motifs any um particular vision that you feel like unifies a, a good bit of what you're sharing i i like science fiction a lot I, I consider myself a science fiction writer and i'm i'm very interested in carrying on analog traditions you know a lot of my art heroes i think it's pretty well known jack kirby mobius Frank Miller is, you know, he's a good friend of mine too, but I mean, I still admire Frank for everything he's done. He's a very talented artist. He still is. Mm -hmm. I've been over to his place not too long ago. He has stacks and stacks of new drawings he's working on. He's writing all the time. It's, it's inspiring. Uh, but you know, I work mostly with a brush and archival tools, archival papers. And, you know, a lot of my peers are moving more and more to digital. Just because it's easier, maybe it's easier to finish the work. It's more more portable. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, but you know, I I because I also sell originals and I do uh, commissions uh, through Felix Liu, my art rep. Um, there's always been an impetus, in my case, to continue the tradition of working on paper. 
and also I just like making things. I, you know, it comes from the, the studio arts background. You know, I used to stretch canvases and, you know, and I screen print. I oftentimes work in my own prints, do all the color separations myself, all that, you know. And I, I worked in a print shop. Uh, that was my job when I was in college, when I was first starting out in comics. So, you know, I, I got a lot of background in commercial printing, which was interesting to me. So, yeah, I mean, it's just some, something I really like to carry on. But, yeah, so then theme-wise, I would say science fiction. And um, also I like intimate stories. It's one thing I like about manga. Manga has a really good way of internalizing the narrative flow so mm-hmm. that you have a good sense of the character in the story, not just the story. So, like, you know, point A to point B, and you know, the story ends the end. You're more like, what does it feel like to be this character? And so that's one reason when I did Batman Year 100, I really tried to emphasize how difficult a job it is for this guy to put on this illusion that he's this otherworldly vampiric. That's one reason, you know, with my background in manga, I was um, interested in taking that notion of like making the subjective experience of the character the center of the story. Uh And I tried to apply that my own way to the experience of being Batman and like not just like Batman bursts in and hits Clayface, and you know it's like it's exhausting being a superhero, and, and you you're you're hurt a lot, and you need to depend on people to like stitch you up or you know build your machines for you and stuff like that. So I, I thought that was an interesting take on the character that you know, up to that time I felt like we didn't see a lot. I think they the Chris Nolan films tried to get into that a little bit more. Uh-huh. I think you know. So I mean, of course, these are all like different, you know. Um, fractal versions of Batman who's you know sort of like a, an uber character as opposed to like there's like one storyline and you know everybody knows Bruce Wayne's parents were killed by Joe Ch- Joe Chill or whatever his name was uh-huh. you know that's part of his canon but then you outside of that you could take the character anywhere uh-huh. Uh-huh. so yeah th- I think those are themes and you know I, I've I've been um you know I've been working on Battling Boy for almost a decade I, I still write things outside of this one primary project I'm working on. So I've got lots of scripts for things that I'm planning on moving into after Battling Boy. But I think after this this book, I don't think I'm going to try to tackle another 500-page graphic novel. Like, no time soon, I'm sure. Yeah, that is <laughs> that's quite a journey. That's sure. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. So, uh, but I think it'll be it'll be worth it. I mean, it's really frustrating that I have like like well over i mean I, I was actually talking to a friend of mine i was going through my unpublished work i probably have about 250 pages of unpublished comics sitting like right this is my like all my my artwork i better not show it because there's stuff on there you can't see but um well just here let me just turn this over yeah yeah but just a quick little this is my studio here in manhattan so that there's oh, part wow. of my book collection uh-huh so here here we have this is my current work. Uh-huh. I have a storage space in Brooklyn that's nothing but my art, my other art. But this is all, you know, work in progress. This second file here is all Battling Boys. So this is all Battling Boy 2, all of this. Wow. So, yeah, it's just that, you know, no, no one can see it until the book's finished. And then we put it through production, which will take months. You know, so by the time it's in print, it's kind of, you know, it's going to be months after I deliver it. So you still have a ways to wait, but we're getting closer. So, you know, that's the, that's the, the good news, but it's, it's 
the most agonizing thing is every time I do public appearances, it's, there are two questions people ask about Battling Boy. Number one is, why is the book so small? And then number two is, when is book two coming? Mm-hmm. And so um, it looks like we're going to, um, we have a little more freedom with publication size. So I think when we get back to the publication schedule for, I, I guess, a relaunch for book one and then book two and then eventually an omnibus, uh, we have some options to go larger. Nice. Um, which is something that makes me happy, at least, because that's m- my only complaint is, I mean, the, the reason for a second publishes the library format is because I think a third of our sales come from school libraries and public libraries. Ah, that makes sense. And so those are perennials and they, they order books all the time. And there are some schools that have used uh, Battling Boy, I think, for like seventh grade literature class where the kids can like write essays about mythology mm-hmm. so you can pick out a book and then use that as the basis for your your um book report and so that's really great because you know like we when we toured the book we went to lots and lots of schools mostly around north america up through canada all over the states meeting lots of kids and educators uh librarians and stuff and that's great because it's a completely different world from like what we normally think of like the comic-con circuit and mm-hmm. you know indie stores or like a big chain store like uh golden apple or uh, midtown comics here in new york i mean you know these are big uh client bases for sales mm-hmm. you know so if i do a signing at forbidden planet or something you know it usually gets hundreds of people which is great and then the, the when you do a talk at a library that's a, that's you know, maybe a hundred people, maybe dozens of people, depends on the city and the promotion. But that's an entirely different audience of people. Yeah. And it's they, it's yeah. great. One thing that really attracted me to working with First Second, and you know, their parent company's Macmillan, and mm-hmm. they own all sorts of different imprints, whether it's Tor, uh, they have a poetry imprint, they have cookbook imprint. I mean, it's it's I think one of the top six publishers. The owner Holtzbrink is a German company, and they're very dedicated to education and literature. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a really good place to take a project like Battling Boy, considering I'm trying to write it for young people. You know, like the age demographic they kind of targeted was anywhere from like, I don't know, nine or 10 years old up through all ages. Mm-hmm. We did. We, we have noticed like there, there's some imagery and because, you know, Battling Boy is a lot of monsters kidnapping kids. That's kind of the problem in the story. Like with little kids, it's a little too scary, I think. So we, we have noticed like fifth grade and up is probably the, the right demographic for uh, Battling Boy. But it's great because, you know, you, you meet an entirely different uh, group of people than you would going to Comic-Con or uh book signings at comic shops so that's mm-hmm. that's been pretty neat it's and it's um it's been very eye-opening and to get to tap into a younger generation like that and be the potentially the first graphic novel or comics oh, form yeah. that they've read is uh, that's a big deal oh there were there were a lot of kids like that i remember we, we've been to some places i remember one time we went to some small town in up uh, north northern indiana very small like a uh, farming town mm-hmm. and um you know, I did the presentation for the school and they were very welcoming and everyone was really nice. And um, I had lunch with like the five or six kids in art school who like had hopes to like maybe somehow get into the arts and become art educators and the art teacher and the principal, you know, 
And they told me, they're like, you know, you're the first artist that these kids have ever met. They never realized you could make a living as an artist. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, this is this is something that, you know, I would imagine that they're probably not going to forget anytime soon. And so, yeah, there, there are a lot of little kids who said this is their first graphic novel. And that, that's a great feeling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's there's so many creators that come on here that can point back and say, I met this person, you know, I got to go to this person's office or this person came to my school and I suddenly yeah. realized, oh, there's a person that does this and I want to right. do that too. So <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's a huge, huge thing for a kid. So yeah. amazing. I think I did. Yeah. Cause I started doing c- comic book shows like um, before I did Comic-Con, a friend of mine convinced me to go to Comic-Con 1994. It's pretty early on on THB. I had no idea comic book conventions existed. I mean, when I was a kid, you could go to the the mall and there'd be like some guy at a flea market with like long comic, long boxes of old comic books. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like to actually go and meet other, you know, creators, you know, that was pretty eye opening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I also have to say, pulling out the drawer with the stacks of uh, pages, best tease ever. Uh, oh mean, yeah. Okay. Even even without a tagline, <laughs> I think pulling it out and saying you can't see this yet, I think that's I think that well, I'll show needs you. to be like. <laughs> okay, I, I'm gonna I'm going to I'm gonna give you one little tease here then. Oh nice. I feel nice. okay. Thank I you. feel okay <laughs> showing this. So uh, you know the film was at Paramount, and then mm-hmm. uh, it it's been at Netflix. Um, I guess the word's getting around that Battling Boy's been at Netflix for um, animated feature for a while, but uh, working on the film alongside the book, I've done all these what they call key sequence or keyframe images, and so I don't mind showing this one. It's uh, I did this wow. to show Battling Boy and all the various monsters. Love it. So this this wouldn't appear in the film, but this is a presentation piece. Uh, that I did when you're going in to like sell the film. So, you know, there's no uh, legal uh, con- uh, contract com- uh, conflict by showing this because I own the art. Great. But great. yeah, so, you know, this is, this is like my other job is working on uh, the film. And so it's just, you know, kind of in and out of comics and then in and out of film and then, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I, mean, <clears throat> I wouldn't want to move to LA and be more immersed in that world you know i like new york for all of the various reasons that are great about new york even though they're all hassles too but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, i'm just glad that first second is here because you know uh, my art editor kirk bischoff and i we do meet once a month or so i drop off pages and then we get lunch and we talk about all kinds of things whether it's his kids or movies or travel or production schedules you know the, the different people uh, that I work with that you just don't get to see them so I, I think it's important to do that because yeah. you know for so long all of us had to stay inside and not not see anybody true true this is true yeah. and uh who knows maybe maybe one day you and I will cross paths in person as well there are a couple sure. of people at Heroes Con that have met me and can attest to the oh, yeah. fact that I, I don't live in Zoom. I'm not an avatar or an <laughs> AI or anything like that. So uh. <laughs> I, I love Hero, Heroes is one of my favorite shows. I've, they, they've always been really great. I've been down there a few times. Shelton Drum is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used he used to have an employee who became a good friend of mine, Dustin Harbin, who's since gone on to become, I think, a really great cartoonist in his own right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you, you probably met him. I, and, I uh, believe so, of, yeah. 
Yeah, he's he's a really good guy, and uh, that that show's nice because it's manageable. That that show in Baltimore are two of my favorites. Yeah, and um, I like the cities a lot. Uh, the people are great. the The big shows can be a little bit chaotic, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're competing with like media uh, things as well. You know, like San Diego's. I remember San Diego before it got kind of taken over by Marvel films and you know Warner Brothers and stuff and now video games and things and mm-hmm. you know it's a little more little more unwield unwieldy than it used to be yeah but that's what i've heard the, the small shows are are fun so uh, but yeah this year i'm only doing new york comic con that's my one american show i think uh, and then saving appearances and, and pr and stuff for next year just because you know for so long you to, to make a graphic novel you have to you know work in a cave somewhere Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, Especially. you know, yeah, and then, you know, pages. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, sometimes you know, when the, the book advance runs out, you have to come up with income elsewhere while you're still finishing the book. So it's a real dedication to, you know, get anything like this done. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I try, I try to stay fast. It's just that there's more distractions now. So, like I was saying earlier, like it's you know, this past couple of months I've been working like ten hour days almost every day, and um. It feels great. You know, I go to the gym, I see my girlfriend once or twice a week, and then it's just like, okay, this is this is how it used to be to like get these things done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, looking looking forward to seeing it out in the world, uh, Battling Boy. And you mentioned uh things to come with THB as well, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we decided um the plan's always been to get Battling Boy out first and then THB. But I think it was Kirk's idea, my art my art director, Kirk, said, why don't we just start putting both out at the same time? We've, we, that, THB is essentially done. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, all, all the art was in Ohio. My, my, I'm from a town called Bowling Green, Ohio. I've been in New York for 25 years now, but um, that's where I'm from. And so I, I have a big storage space there with lots of books and uh, my artwork. And I, I was, you know, I archived all my stuff. It's, it was all safe. So a couple of months ago, I brought back, it's something like a thousand pages of THB. And so now it's in production. We're scanning everything so we can um, figure out how to, you know, the publication size and the formatting and stuff. So I'm sure there'll be some news on that alongside Battling Boy. So I, I hope, you know, when, when uh, these announcements start coming out, it's going to be a really nice body of work consistently coming out because it's been a while mm-hmm. since I've been on the shelves. Outside of, which I, I, I think my last published comics work was with Anthony Bourdain uh, for Hungry Ghosts. I, I, I did covers for that book, and um, I, he wrote a story for me, so I worked on that. And then I did a book called The Willows uh, for a really good like art, art book, boutique book publisher yeah. called Beehive Books. Mm-hmm. And that was an illustrated adaptation of um, a horror writer I like a lot called um, Algernon Blackwood. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, it's, it's a gorgeous book. They make really gorgeous books, and I hope to work with them in the future as well. And they have an ongoing series. The, the latest one they did was um, an adaptation of Pinocchio with uh, Mike Mignola, which is really gorgeous. Uh-huh. And so they're just, you know, they're, so I like to kind of like balance, you know, whether it's mainstream. I, I, I guess you'd have to say Anthony Bourdain's mainstream. It's just in a different way, because when we do appearances, the people that show up are like chefs and sous chefs and journalists and they're, they're like food industry people because mm-hmm. that's that's his audience 
so it's you know it's fun to, and then again with like Algernon Blackwood that's like the kind of supernatural phantasmagoric or literature fans and then working with beehive um that's you know that that that's sort of a project because it's an illustrated prose adaptation beautiful slipcase hardcover nice big book beautiful production values that's a different audience too right so i think it's it's nice to be able to try to like get into these different overlapping realms where people like sequential art or comics or illustration and you know it's it's nice because it reaches these different quadrants that all sort of overlap with illustration and the art of drawing. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned science fiction and your draw there and the, the supernatural, the paranormal and phantasmagoric is just such a great uh, set of ideas and set of experiences that lives in that genre. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always enjoy yeah, that about your work. Yeah. I mean, I mean, most of, if you look at the, the large, like the, the Willows, the, the Algernon Blackwood project is sort of the outlier because I never really uh, did anything with like supernatural suspense type material. Mm-hmm. Um, most of what I've done, I would say, qualifies as uh, science fiction. And, you know, the stuff I've been writing since starting Battling Boy has all pretty much been science fiction mm-hmm. uh, based. Mm-hmm. So I, there are projects I want to get into uh, when my schedule clears up uh, next year, hopefully around this time next year. And just they're going to be shorter. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Uh, I know people that talk about the 200 to 300 page graphic novel and what a commitment that is. So, uh, again, 500 pages is it's quite impressive. Yeah, it's well, I mean, I remember when Jeff Smith was doing Bone, he might have mentioned this when he was on with you, like all those all those years, like because I lived in Columbus, Ohio, while he was making Bone. Then I when I moved to New York, he and his wife, Vijaya, were coming to New York a lot. They were considering moving here. So I would show them around and we would go out to dinner and we'd go do things. And like, here's this neighborhood, here's that neighborhood. All the while, he was working on bone on a consistent basis, traveling, touring. Sometimes he was wearing an arm brace because he was having carpal tunnel. Sometimes he'd get a sty in his eye and he had to wear like a patch over his eye or an abrasion on your cornea from like looking at you know, like the reflection of your drawing lamp in the the, the wet ink. Uh-huh. Eventually your eye just gets, you know, it's like, I mean, it, even though this is like low impact work, there's, you know, you still have to have a massage once in a while. And, you know, I have, I've been to a chiropractor before because I mean, you know, it all comes with a bit of a, even though it's not as dangerous as, you know, some of the, the you know, construction labor work. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there's still things you have to be conscious of. And so, you know, because I mean, in his case, the thousand page book like Bone, it's, it's, you know, quite an achievement. He doesn't have to do it again. Now he's done it. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. And, and will be forever known as. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a perennial. And I think that's, if you're a graphic novelist, and you're, you know, you're trying to hit that brass ring. I think that's what you want. You want to make sure that you're working on a project that's good enough that it's going to stay on the shelves. Mm-hmm. And we have plenty of examples of those, whether it's Watchmen, Bone, uh, Peanuts, I would say Love and Rockets, one of my favorite series. Mm-hmm. You can go down the list, all kinds of stuff. Um, I would say probably Adventure Time hits that now. Like, I mean, there's books that, you know, American Born Chinese, uh, mm-hmm. Craig Thompson stuff. There's, you could go down the list of not even getting into European or manga. You know, so that's always been the intention going into Battling Boys. Like, I want to do one that's going to, like, last. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, 
I, I enjoy it a great deal. Recommend it. You mentioned seventh grade readers, but it has some nice flexibility uh, across age groups. And that's not an easy thing oh, to yeah. do to create something that's all ages that way. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, that's something C.S. Lewis said. I read an interesting interview. Um, it was he, Kingsley Amos and uh, Tolkien. It's, I think the essay was called Unreal Estates. You could probably find it online. And they're just talking about their work. Or was it Huxley? No, it was, I think it was Kingsley Amos. But um, uh, C.S. Lewis made a good point. He said, you know, when you're writing to children, you can't write down to them. Mm-hmm. You just have to write directly to them. And I, he said, because they're going to tell if you're patronizing. And I, I always thought that was cool. So considering all of us who grew up reading Jack Kirby and, you know, this stuff, or, you know, watched Johnny Quest, like, you know, we remember what it was like to be a kid. So I'm like, you know what, if you if you stay true to that spirit, you can still put stuff in there that's going to appeal to the older reader who remembers Tex Avery cartoons or, you know, knows European comics or whatever it might be. And so eventually I think we're going to, for a second, we're going to try to do some sort of an annotated guide that, you know, cause there's a lot of stuff in battling boy. It's all, you know, based on Carl Jung or research of Gilgamesh or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the Iliad, there's, you know, the Norse mythology, uh, Upanishads from India. There's a lot going into the story that is not evident on the surface, even beyond the comic book stuff. And then that would be nice too, because then the kids that read, battling boy in school will be able to have that cliff notes to you know incorporate comics into their uh, educating curriculum yeah yeah well and and just to give a, a true-to-life story my wife is a teacher we were doing some book shopping earlier today and one of the books that she was looking at actually a set of books was kind of this I, I can't remember exactly what it was called but it was kind of an atlas of the cryptozoic basically oh yeah um, oh, I've, seen so- these. I, I've seen these i've seen yeah yeah and she was saying like kids love to read those kind of things so that would be a perfect companion uh yeah sort of like little segments about different creatures characters and where they come from um because yeah. it is fascinating there's a um there's a podcast i listen to called um i think it's called stuff to blow your mind mm-hmm. if you've heard of this it's on apple um it's usually pretty good but they do, they've been doing something interesting where they'll go into um, kind of like crypto creatures. They've been doing, I think, Star Wars recently. So they'll they'll look at something like the Tauntaun or the Wampa, and they'll relate it to, or they did one actually on um, uh, Ben Grimm, the Thing uh-huh. from uh-huh. Marvel. And they've been doing like Marvel characters, and then they'll relate that to actual animals that exist and like different traits scientifically that, like they they with the case of the Thing, they went into something about how. Like, why does Ben Grimm only have three fingers when he's the thing, but when he's Ben Grimm, he has four? And then they were relating that to certain um, animals that have, like, uh, fused um, flippers uh-huh. and, uh, you know, different, like, um, appendages that, you know, like, uh, toes that might have fused into, like, three toes when they used to be four toes. Just interesting stuff like that. And I, I think in, in its own way, you come up with something that delves into, like, world mythology and even comics history, I think that would be a nice companion for battling boy. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, did you read um, uh, New Frontier, the, the big collection that 
Casey put out of Darwin Cook stuff. Yeah, I have read New Frontier. Yeah, with with Darwin Cook. That's the last bit that I caught. Sorry about that. Oh yeah, I was just mentioning how um, this idea we're talking about annotated battling boy. Um, the edition of New Frontier I got. There's a really nice, a very satisfying read in the back where Darwin goes into detail about all sorts of references that he's pulling into the story mm-hmm. with, you know, like um, more of a, like a, a textural background of like what different elements went into the story itself. And I thought that was really cool. Like, I mean, nobody's going to, you know, be quizzed on the history of DC comics and, you know, you know, English class in high school, but I, I thought it was cool to read that because the guy put a lot of thought into the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, I, my class is actually one where you might be uh, as a trivia, yeah. as a trivia game, you might have Marvel or DC uh, questions. So, oh, that's great. You never that's know. Cool. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, we we try, we try. Um, but I have kept you longer than I promised. I I appreciate your time. No, Did we miss enjoyable. anything? Yeah, yeah. Great to talk no, with you think, as well. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I'm I'm I'm. I I guess you got kind of a scoop. I showed you something that I did for the film. Yeah, yeah, love that. You, I mean, but, you know, it's funny. Like everybody in Manhattan, for the most part, lives in a pretty small place. So my studio here, uh, th- this is where I work for the most part. And then I, I have a small kitchen and a you know bedroom in the back and stuff. And but very few people have come to my my place. Mm-hmm. So you know, like it's it's you know if people were curious it's like you know that's my archive of current projects and you know personal drawings as well so it's like you know just it was nice to show that little stack of battling boy well it's growing now it's you know it's becoming quite a stack but you know that's the things like everybody's like okay well where is battling boy too it's like well it's right here it's in this it's in this file this, no one's seen it yet it's on the way it's on the way yeah, well um when I messaged you to talk, one of the things that you said was uh, you were looking forward to talking about this medium that we both love. And I've enjoyed the conversation. Uh, enjoy sure. what you bring to it and yeah. glad to share about your work and glad to talk in time. Thank you. And I'll be sure to hype this. Uh, I'm pretty much only on Instagram now. I'm at, at comics destroyer, one word, comics destroyer. And um, it has a pretty sizable following. It's growing. Um, which is nice. And I only post artwork, either my stuff in progress or finished pieces or art that I find inspiring. And I often try to find the name of the artist and the date. And if there's a little bit of information about the piece uh-huh. and um, that's kind of the, the niche I've carved online. So I don't po- post anything about the food I'm eating or, <laughs> you know, his, here I am on vacation and, you know, whatever it's, I, I don't do stuff like that. So I think people appreciate that when I when when I meet people now and they they know about the page then they get excited. There is a battling boy page too. It's battling boy underscore or sorry, at battling underscore boy. Ah, uh, uh, and um, as we get closer to publication, I'm going to be using that more in it. And there, I only post art that is either uh, pertinent to battling boy the book or inspiration that somehow feeds into like art history or mythological subjects or sometimes science fiction. Yeah. I'll be sure and link both of those as well. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, thanks a lot.
yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, truly glad to talk with you anytime. Yeah, excellent. Thanks, Jason. Thank you.